Start a new new series uh, this season of Lent, where we're preparing for the the, the cross, um, preparing for the celebration of the the resurrection of of Christ on uh, um, Easter Sunday, and it's a, a season the church has celebrated that we started on on Wednesday at Ash Wednesday, but for uh, um, hundreds and hundreds of years um, uh, celebrated this time, so that when we come to Easter, when we um, uh, come to the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are prepared to to celebrate um, fully. And so this this season of, of Lent, we're going to walk through the book of James, and and James, um, uh, one of my um, uh, favorite Bible stories is uh, um, the story of Solomon when he's David's son he becomes king and he he has um, uh, uh, presence with God and and God says all right well what do you want you know as you're now king what what do you want you can imagine all the things that might go in someone's head if God were to say what do you want and this is it back in first Kings chapter 3 and Solomon says um, to God as he sees the challenge before him to be the king um, over Israel that he wants God's wisdom he wants the capacity to discern what is right and what is wrong what is good and what is evil as he then leads and, and judges his people and, and God shares his uh, um, his pleasure with that he says uh, Solomon you you could have asked for riches you you could have asked for a long life you could have asked for victory over your enemies and their demise but instead you asked for wisdom to be able to know what's the difference between what is right and wrong, what is good and bad. And James speaks of this same wisdom, this wisdom that comes from God, this wisdom for life, that the God who's the creator of life wants to give us to live into the fullness of life for which he's created. And so James has this notion, this, this nature of being a wisdom kind of book. That's what we'll glean from this. Um, and, and we'll see uh, how we're living into that wisdom, how God has given us that gift, and we'll also be convicted of ways that we're living according to the wisdom of the world or our own making instead of the wisdom that comes from the one who created life. And so there's also an element in James of being like an Old Testament prophet. You know, the Old Testament preacher like Amos and Jeremiah or Isaiah at times where they he just speaks it straight and true. There's there's not any nice uh, southern gentleness in James at times. And he points straight to the issues and to the truth. And, and I think um, we, we see in, in James and we'll see even a little today and throughout how um, James... Uh, he had captured and knew and was formed by the very character of Jesus. Again, much like we were just singing. And I believe James, the brother of Jesus, is, is this James, is the one that wrote this. And, and so we'll see even here. And, and of course, Jesus was that consummate one of wisdom and a prophet. He spoke wisdom and he spoke prophetically. He gave guidance for the way as, as his people that we are to live. Those who've been saved by his death and resurrection, filled with his spirit, that we are right with God. God has, has saved us not just to preserve us for some glory day to come. He has saved us in order to send us out as his people. 
living into the fullness of this wisdom to be a witness to those that are around, to bring glory to God as there are people who are sold out for Him and living according to that wisdom and living in that goodness of life. Even in the midst of all kinds of trouble and pain and disease, evil and death. And so that's what we'll see as we walk through James. Our passage today is going to be chapter uh, 1, verse 19 through 27. The, the beginning part that we'll, we're not reading, you can read through that another time, just as it speaks to that wisdom that James is bringing, and that you'll see as we walk through the book together as well. Let's, let's pray. Almighty God, uh, we give you thanks for your written word as it speaks to us of your your wisdom, of your truth, of your your goodness. And we ask now that you would help us to have ears to hear and receive and then do so that we might be wise as well. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, James chapter 1, starting with verse 19. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourself of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness. And welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who, who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, uh, James really sets out here three paragraphs, three basic points, and the first one is the first line. You know, and he's clear to say, everybody, understand this. This isn't just a nice suggestion, but this is the wisdom of life. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Important to recognize, just again, God's wisdom here. Why does he say here, be slow to anger? Right? We get sort of be quick to listen. We want to listen to his words and we don't want to be quick to speak. Don't want to be quick to anger because speaking and anger prevent us from listening. We don't listen well when we're speaking. We don't listen well when we get angry. And there's a whole yeah, brain chemistry around us getting angry. Uh, there, there is a, um, uh, that what happens, there's something that triggers our anger, and that then immediately triggers our amygdala. 
And our amygdala, that's a part of our brain. And that brain, then it starts giving some things off. And that, that then goes into the center part of the brain. It sends more uh, uh, um, thing, signals then to the pituitary gland. It then says, all right, send out all these other chemicals in your brain. And what those different chemicals, hormones, what those things start to do is they, they cut off the prefrontal cortex of your brain, the front part. And the, the, they, they cut off the, the part of your brain that is, deals with memory. And so when you get angry, when those things happen, those, those things happen quickly, then you, you no longer are making good decisions. You're not able to plan for the future. You're only focused on the here and now. And your memory gets shot. You can all relate. You know a time when you were angry, right? You were in an argument. And you just... You were having that argument with yourself, you know, the, the day before or that morning, and you had a great point. You had a whole line of great points, right? But then when you get angry in the heat of the moment, where do those points go? They're gone. You know, they vanish. You know, you're like, I know I had a great point and now it's gone. That's because your memory is shot when your brain starts to take over and it shuts off that prefrontal for the prefrontal Cortex and shuts off that memory part of your brain. Another thing that it demonstrates is why you can't listen well when you're angry is because your memory is shot. You might think, you might have an intense memory when you were angry and you remember it vividly. Here's the problem. Every, and science shows us over and over again, the hard science of brain chemistry and the soft science of sociology shows over and over again, when you're angry, you do not remember what happened. You remember what you remember. And I've been in situations with two people who are in conflict and they were at the same place at the same time. But as they described what they remembered, it was two totally different experiences. Our memory is shot in that time of anger, so we can't hear the word of God. So that's why he says, be slow to speak and slow to anger. Now, the anger is not something that you can just dismiss. You have to come up with the, the ways that you best address that. And But recognizing its control over you, And the challenge it is for you to control it instead of it to control you. And, as he says here, the, it's the, our anger does not bring the righteousness of God. So here's a key point. The reason that we're quick to listen and slow to speak is so that we hear the righteousness of God and live that out. A lot, I can speak for myself on this one. When I'm angry, it's not, it's very rarely about God. It's usually about me. If I'm angry at you, it's because you're getting in the way of what I want to happen. Or maybe even worse, you're pointing out a weakness in me that I don't want to see. But my anger is about me and not about God's righteousness. And that's the purpose of wisdom. So that we live in the righteousness of God. So be... Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. 
And it's just the, the wisdom. Why, why do we want to listen? Why do we want to be sure we are listening to God even in the midst of great t- uh, trouble? Even in the midst of things that might cause anger. And believe me, this church in James's day had plenty of good reason to be anger. To be angry to the things that were happening in the church. I mean, what happened to Jesus also happened to the church. I mean, it, it, it was not a happy, easygoing time. Yet James could tell the church then, hey, be quick to listen. What is God saying to you? How is God teaching you in this moment? How are you demonstrating the righteousness of God? We, we want to listen to God because God is the creator of life. God is the one, as we've been singing, who, who loves us more even than we love ourselves. Who loves us with a perfect love. Who wants to lead us into the ways of righteousness and, and the life we were created to live. So we want to be sure we are listening to Him. You know, it's um, when I eat good food, the person I want to talk to is the chef. I want to know who cooked it. I want to know how they cooked it. Right? Uh, you know, like when I want, but because then I want to be able to cook it so that I can eat it as well. It's the only reason that I enjoy cooking is because I enjoy eating. And so when I want good potato salad, there's only one person to go to in the history of humankind. <laughs> and that's mom. Because she knows how to make the best potato salad. So I go to her, mom, I, I, this is the, the best that there is. I want to enjoy it to the full. And so um, she sends me the recipe. And she sent me a recipe that was perfect for the ways of wisdom. Uh, because she didn't send, well, because wisdom is not step one, step two, step three, step four. You know, James demonstrates the wisdom of Jesus because he lived with him. He grew up with him. You know, he, he picked up his habits. He picked up. He was formed by his character by being his, his brother. So my mom sends me a recipe. and says, well, here's what you do. Take a bunch of potatoes and boil them. Then take a few less eggs and boil them. And then you cut them up, put them all together, smash them up. Then get, uh, I don't know, a couple cups of mayonnaise and put that in there. And then you get some pickle juice and pour that in there. And if you want to put some onions and some celery to cut in there, if you like, then you do. And then you taste it. And if you need a little more pickle juice, you'll know it. And then add it in there. If you need a little more mayonnaise and add that. you know. And that was the wisdom of making the best potato salad in the world. Oh yeah, and then you gotta let it sit in the refrigerator for about 10 hours and then let it all seep in and then you'll know if you're there. But we want the wisdom of God for the ways of life because it leads us into what is the way of life that we don't naturally go. When we hear the wisdom of God that, that goes against what we want to do, we usually respond with the fight or flight. And that's what anger does. And on top of that, anger is just simply bad for you. Um, it, you know, the notion, well, you got to fight out your anger. you got to let it out, let it go. That's a lie. You need to learn to express it. But you express it in a way that is respectful and honoring to God and to others. And if you just express it in the fullness of rage, that just makes the neural pathways for rage that much more likely to go into 
It's also, as you, if you live in the anger and rage, it's bad for your immune system, your cardiovascular system, causes headaches, causes your sight to go bad, bone density to go down. And so, so God's wisdom is wise. It's not just a way to be a witness. It's just a wise way of living. Now, I, I too want just to applaud you that are here, that you're here right now. You could have been in a whole bunch of other places. And I pray that you are here in order to hear what God might be saying to you. Because we know there are all kinds of voices all around us. What we hear, what we see, the people around us, the evil one who's always ready to throw a lie our way, or even the lies that we contrive in our own soul. And we know we want to eat the food that is fantastic. What are you doing to listen to God's word? It's good that you are here. There are other places that you are taking in God's word. The gospel project in the middle hour just started a new uh, session this this week. So you can jump in to that. There's the women's Bible study on Tuesday morning. There's there's a, a huddle that's mentioned in your bulletin you can jump into. Other opportunities. Young adult group that meets on Sunday night. Or you can simply get with a group and walk through James. There's five weeks of Lent. There's five chapters of James. And we're going to walk through those uh, together. But James is clear that when you hear, then you do. That's the second point. What you hear, then you're to do. Just don't be one that, that goes and hears, but then doesn't do anything with it. Don't, don't be one that looks in the mirror, you see what you look like, and then you walk out that day and you totally forget what you look like. You know, don't spend all the time that we spend in front of the mirror. You know, being, being sure everything's in its, in its right spot. And then you go outside and it's gone. And that's what happens. That's what it's like if you're a, you just hear the word but don't do it. I remember, uh, one of the times, and those that have known me for these last 12 years, remember maybe a couple times, that in playing basketball, I caught an elbow or a knee because they jump high and hit, hit me. Um, and, uh, or something in my face and got a black eye. It's happened a couple times. And, uh, you know, so I wake up in the morning, you know, and I go to the mirror and I'm like, oh, you're shocked by what I see because I forgot, you know, I had a black eye, you know, and, but then, you know, you go in, get dressed, go out the day and I don't ever see a mirror again. And then I go into, remember one time went into a restaurant, you know, and, and noticed everybody was looking at me. Well, the arrogant person I am thinking, huh, yeah, must be looking good right now, you know? Until I go into the bathroom to wash my hands. And then look up and go, oh, yeah, that's what they're looking at. Those are looks of pity. not uh, Or what happened? Not, not admiration. Uh, ignorance is bliss on that one. But that's what James says, how foolish we are. Deceiving ourselves, even. If we hear it and don't do it. Like a fool walking through a restaurant. Thinking it's looking good and people are laughing at it. 
And um, and you can hear here how James is, is capturing some of the, the teachings of Jesus without really quoting it, but it's the same thing. You know, particularly here, you, you see like, a, well, um, Matthew 6. It's some, a lot of the Sermon on the Mount is in, is in this. Um, and, and, and James wrote the letter in around 40, 50. And, and so it was before the Gospels were written. But the, the character of Jesus and the stories of Jesus uh, were being shared. And James would have known them, a lummer of them, firsthand. And um, so, you know, Jesus says in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's what he's getting at here. Our goal is God's righteousness to be lived out in our lives. Not getting our own way, not our own inspiration, not feeling good about life, but being transformed, being changed into the righteousness of God. And that leads to a joy, to a blessing beyond measure. Uh, or in Matthew 7, where, where Jesus, you know, again, he, he's telling his followers, focus on your own issues. Listen really well. The reason we don't listen well is because we're trying to change other people. And what does Jesus say about that? He talk, tells a story about a speck in one person's eye and a two by four in another. And he says, you're trying to take the speck out of uh, your brother or sister's eye, and instead you need to be focusing on the two-by-four that's coming out of yours. Or at the very end of Matthew 7, when he tells the story of the wise builder and the foolish builder. The wise builder is the one who gathers, he hears the word of God, he hears it, but he's uh, the... The, the foolish builder is the one who builds, is like the one who hears the word of God but doesn't do it. He builds his house on the sand and the storm comes, wipes it away. And the wise builder is the one who builds his house on the rock. And the storm comes and it stands firm. Because that's the one who's been hearing the word and doing it. This, and he goes on to say here, this, this word is the word, the, the law of liberty. You know, it's the law of freedom. And, and the law, of, you know, we, think, we don't think of law, we think of laws as re- being restrictive, don't we? Not the law of freedom. Not the, the law of liberty. But what is that liberty for those of us who are in Christ Jesus? We now have the freedom, true freedom, to obey God. Without Christ, without the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, we do not have the freedom to obey Him. But the power of the Spirit now frees us from the the chains of sin and death and guilt. And we are, are freed to follow the ways of God as opposed to the tricks of the devil or the lies of the world or even our own Desires over God's. So every time that you gather to hear the word, the crucial question is, what am I going to do about it? What's God telling me to do? What's God telling me to change? Because when, when that happens, the word doesn't just come in one ear and out the other. 
When we take it and then we say, I'm going to live into it. It's going to become part of my life. Then we don't forget it. We remember it and it impacts us for that blessing that James promises. How do you admit in your own life the power of anger to control you? Do you? And is, is that for some, it's not uh, an issue. But for others of us, it is. And how will you put yourself in places to regularly hear God's word and ask the question, what am I to do because of this? So that then, and that we, we filter all the other from social media and the news. You know, and here, here's something to recognize. Social media and the news, it is designed to make you angry. Or at least it's designed to make, to elicit an emotional response. It's not trying to teach you wisdom. It's not trying to teach you the depth of life. It's just trying to elicit an emotional response. You know, and, uh, e- even the, uh, the, the, the matchmaking. Um, uh, social media platforms. They're, they're actually not designed, first and foremost, to match you with somebody. They're designed to make you look at the next one. It's an emotional response to keep you there versus really caring for your soul. So how you put yourself in places so that you're hearing God's word, so that you do it, so that you remember it, so that you filter all those other voices. Through God's wisdom, who leads the blessing of the meaning and fullness of life. So that you're not like me, walking through a restaurant, totally deceiving yourself. And then finally, James then brings it home and says, and this is what this will look like. The, the character of Christ will become real in you. And this, you know, we usually give religion a bad name. But really, what true religion is to do is to connect us with God. I mean, the reason we gather here is to hear His Word and then do it and be transformed for His glory. That is true and good um, religion. And, and, if, and if it's not having impact on what we say, and there's another sermon about that, then James says here, and like I said, you know, James has that prophet. He has that Amos stuff in him. He says, well, then you're, you're deceiving yourself. You're lying to yourself. If you think that... You're just free to say whatever you want. No, you're free to say now what is life-giving. You're, you're free now to say what God would have you say, not what you want to say. And, and this true religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. See, you're living not for for fame or celebrity or profit or even relevance. You're living to serve. Who are those that are voiceless? Who are those that that are the ones that are in the margins, that are pushed to the side? And in the first century, orphans and widows in distress were absolutely defenseless. And what James is saying is that will show itself in the life of a people that are following after me. Uh, a people as, again, back to James, back to Jesus' words, 
When he said, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's in Matthew 16. I asked Scott Rice just to share a story of uh, one, one of the ways that God has led him and another sister to uh, do um, just, just that. Thanks, Scott. James 1.27, <clears throat> religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after widows and orphans and in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world, as Jude just read. <clears throat> this word was weighing on me a few years back. Uh, as I was looking for an opportunity to take a step to obey this word, uh, a, sister, a sister Monica from House of Joy, uh, who Jew and I know, said, hey, Brother Scott, how would you like to join us in doing ministry to older widows and some widowers to the sick and disabled at the Hearthstone facility in Mount Healthy? I learned that, I've learned that when the Lord opens my eyes to what he's doing, it's his invitation to join him. So I said yes. It turns out that doing ministry meant uh, leading an hour of prayer, praise, music, communion, and as Sister Monica put it, bringing the word. Uh, and, oh, by the way, Scott, she said, uh, you're being the one bringing the word. <laughs> oh, great. I'm the one with the rest of the public. My, having my number one fear is speaking in public groups to people I don't know. So, well, when we got there, it was a group of mostly widows, elderly widows, gathered in a community room. Uh, and by the way, I know many of you are, are in, involved in ministry like this. So I, I'm just like one of many, and I appreciate that. Uh, many were in wheelchairs, some not able to have normal conversations uh, due to dementia and so forth. Uh, I, I was nervous about having to speak to people I had never met. Uh, <clears throat> but it was good to be with Sister Monica. There was an enthusiastic reception for us. Uh, she, she sang out hymns uh, as only she can do. If any of you know her, you know she's not lacking in confidence. Uh, when she gets to heaven, I believe she's going to say, Lord, I'm here now, and I'm ready and willing to take charge. <laughs> when it was time for me to give the 25-minute Biblical word of exhortation, I hesitatingly gave my best preacher imitation, fumbling through and making it finally to the final point, hoping the Lord would take what I said and have impact, and get thinking that hopefully over time I'd learn to relax and slow down and, and get better at bringing the word. And, and finally I was done after 25 minutes. I looked over to Monica. I saw she was recording my message. Uh, and even making a video of it. I'm going, oh, oh good. Okay, I, I guess she's she's seen that I need help, and she's doing like a training feedback thing so I can watch myself and get better. So I said, Monica, what are you doing? And she said, oh, I filmed your message. I just uploaded it to Facebook. <laughs> From that uncertain beginning several years ago, I've come to so much look forward to being with our our fellowship community at Hearthstone. I can't tell you how appreciative many are 
to have a service to praise the Lord, to be with people who are praising the Lord, hearing the scriptures, and receiving communion. Uh, several uh, earnestly take notes and want to have a discussion afterwards <clears throat> about applying the word in their circumstances. So I'm, I'm thankful to be part of what the Lord is doing to touch hearts at Hearthstone through worship and the proclamation of the word. Thanks, Scott. <clears throat> and thank you, Scott. And it was uh, just uh, yesterday afternoon as I was putting finishing touches together, I said, you know, we really need someone just to share a brief story. And so I called Scott and he said, I'll pray about it and get back to you. And, uh, and, and said, even then, after he called back, said, you know, I'm, I'm just a representative. Right? I mean, because there are plenty of other people that do this. And I'm like, yeah, there are. And, and that's, that's a sign of God's wisdom being real and being lived out in, in the midst of you. Because I know there are other folks that visit folks in nursing homes, other folks that, that care for children in all kinds of ways who aren't theirs who they choose to care for, whether it's in their home for the rest of their lives or whether it's in a school, tutoring them, supporting them, or just for a season of their own health. I know there are folks who will gather this week as we have families who are homeless, currently without a place to live, but this is the only place, the only program in the whole city that a family that finds themselves homeless can stay in the same room together. And here, that can happen as part of churches and other houses of, of faith throughout the city throughout the year. And we get to, to do that um, here. Or, or the folks that are collecting um, uh, change uh, in baby bottles for life forward to care for, for women and uh, who are in crisis pregnancy and the children in their womb. And maybe you, like Scott was sharing just a little bit uh, a few years ago, was saying, how do I live into this? Well, you know, that you, maybe it's talk to Scott or talk to Gene about nursing homes, talk to, to, to Mike or myself uh, around things around Pleasant Hill or, or caring for um, uh, immigrants that have moved into the, the city or, or caring for, for children um, through the foster care or through tutoring and our, the many ways that we do that or the, the Bootses about the Interfaith Hospitality Network. All of those are, are signs of, of ways that, that God's wisdom is being lived out here. And for those of you that are in the part of that, recognize you're not just doing it as some duty to check off. You're not just, you're certainly not doing it to earn God's favor. You already have his full and complete favor in Jesus. You're, you're doing it in order to live into and learn his wisdom. This is another way that James captures Jesus when he said, what you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me. Keep your eyes open for Jesus in the midst of caring for the children and tutoring, preaching to, the, um, uh, to, to folks in nursing homes because he's there.
and he's in you or you wouldn't be there. And he's there to teach you more and more of his wondrous life-giving wisdom. Amen. Let's, uh, Let's pray together.